all authentic creations proceed from within outwards we can artificially create uh, monuments countries and all kinds of things but anything which is authentic anything which will endure anything which will leave an impress upon the sands of time is starts as an inception from within and from there it spreads outwards or if we take the language of the gita it moves from above downwards and that's why something very interesting i have always found in the puranic literature that when we will speak about um, any of the mythological stories it starts from vishnu bhagwan on his shesaya with the earth so where is the earth located <laughs> now it it's often uh, modern mind tends to ridicule these things that how can earth be located on the uh, you know uh, on, on one of the fun of seshnag but if we had the indian eye we would immediately understand that thus alone we can describe earth moving you know and and that image itself is so beautiful it's an image of creation itself and there we see earth itself is something very special and the image of his sheer shagar the ocean of milk and on that milk the infinite unfolding of time shesh nag or anant nag one of the places in kashmir by the way <laughs> so anant nag and at the core of the unfolding of time there is none else but the godhead who is in his sleep creates because in his sleep he is gathered that tremendous wisdom and power and that wisdom and power unfolds itself and as it unfolds the earth rises changes from one root to another meaning thereby it changes cycles of time so this is such a wonderful image which in a sense describes the formation of the earth the mother says the earth is a special formation we can use a modern language it's the grand laboratory of nature in which one after another several things are taking place and while if we go into the far reaches of space and into these long uh, unfolding of time still there is something which happens on earth which is not found anywhere though a speck if we see the totality of the universe yet upon earth there is something special and that special can go not only beyond the speck it can hold the whole cosmos creation within itself that's what man is meant to do but within earth if we see how india is formed that is a very interesting story and to cut it short we see that originally there was one single body and it was nobody knew its name now we give a name pangea and then it split into two one part northern and the other part southern now india is very special because though it belong to the southern part called gondwana land it breaks free and moves northward that was a time when many parts were breaking up and it moves onward upward and upward and unites with the upper part eurasia and it unites and that's how the himalayas come up and if you really look at the way india looks you know just the geographical features one thing that strikes to me as a doctor is that if there ever is a heart uh, in the earth it is india it looks literally looks like a heart you know so i often say this that well um in the body if you can describe the body as many parts having this part that part you can describe even the mind as this ideology this thought that but all these may have maybe many but the soul is always one you don't say this person has five souls so six souls <laughs> you can have five soulmates but soul will be always one 
not to take it to be taken seriously but soul is always one and in this entire earth if one looks at the whole journey of india as if it was meant to eventually join to uh, great masses of humanity which were to take place it is india it is the soul of the earth and that's why it is something like a very special formation often people ask that you know why there are so many problems in india where there is vedas the upanishads and all kinds of great seers and sages so i ask them that well are challenging things given to ignorant and weak people the greater the consciousness the greater the possibility the greater the challenge so while there are nations which are regarded as bhogyani grand doubtful if there is ever a nation where you can have bhogyani bhogyani means if you have done good deeds and you have to just rest in peace rip or rih rest in heaven you are born in some of these nations where you do the bhoga and come back but if you have to do yoga and evolve it is india and i know people who, you know we don't uh, realize what we see here in the very here i mean have gone through all over in the world and i can tell you one uh, interesting experience first time when i traveled to what then was known as dream destination america and, uh, after four five days somebody asked me that well um uh, alukta i hope you are uh, fine happy i said well if you ask me very frankly my blunt answer is that i am missing india so they thought that i am missing indian food and took me to an urupi restaurant but that's not what i was missing it was india it, it had nothing to do with indians and other but india that i was missing but anyways after one week this is an experience which uh, was so concrete as i was flying back and uh, you know uh, via singapore that cathay pacific and i was uh, half dozing and suddenly i woke up um, at a point of time and i felt i have entered the air of india and that very moment the pilot announced that we are flying over andamans and i said my god this is so concrete and the moment i landed in chennai you know talk about heat and everything it was so dear i said oh this is heat is so lovely oh these dusty roads are so lovely and then i remembered so concretely when someone had asked swami vivekananda that well you always loved india and regarded it as something as something very special but now that you have traveled abroad you have seen the glamour of the west what do you have to say about india and he remarked india was always dear to me but now that i have gone abroad and come to india i must say that its very dust is sacred to me i can tell you it is such a living concrete experience that anybody who has felt the soul of india ask him where would you like to be born at least for me a thousand times but only it doesn't matter it may be any part of india any poverty ridden area because something we get here given lectures abroad to so many audiences people have debate for can you tell us what is sanitize <laughs> what is faith is my god these are things we imbibe with the mother's milk nobody told us in everyday life of india we saw it when you know you are sick uh, on a very personal way just to share this understanding when i was very seriously sick what did my father do he picked me put it before lord rama he was you know worshipper of lord, lord rama and he says in hindi i'll translate in english your child you take care so i learned what is faith i am alive <laughs> you you just get it you don't even realize the value of the inheritance and when he was uh, my father was uh, you know 
quite old near to his old age he said i couldn't uh, you know get much money to give to you but um, uh, i'm sure you know uh, we all did well so i told him you know what you have given us is the rarest of rare treasures and that was faith in the divine i said nothing more is needed everything else can be created so india is a land that breathes spirituality and if you see how it is formed one was this geographical aspect look at you know people often do this uh, breaking of idols you know what is the re- name they give but parasti you know where are idols formed idols are in the mind all ideology comes from an Id- there is an idol of democracy there is an idol of capitalism the formation start from mind and indian thought understood it so well that it built india within the mind it's a manas creation how did they build india in the mind look at the way indian geography is described they don't use the word geography of india but they say there are 51 places where you have the satis sacred relics note these 51 spaces and you will have the picture of akhand bharat <laughs> it's very interesting just to see the way you know look at the seven rivers with which we took a bath ganga jamuna narmada godavari indus brahmaputra kaveri sindhu of course not indus brahmaputra kaveri you have the entire western northern uh, eastern and southern the entire india is created so it was created by the mind whenever you read any literature in the olden times you see you see it like this kashi what is kashi it is the most ancient uh, city created by shiva established by shiva so you don't go into when was kashi created you know that kashi is a formation which in the heart of lord shiva he he conceived in in a nagari which is ideal and then it took time and it manifested doesn't matter when it manifested 500 600 1000 years is irrelevant but it's a home which was it's a space which was conceived by shiva look at the story of ganges and you have a connection right from the highest heavens down to sagar all the you know layers are there what a magical mystical land this is that in every story is interwoven the texture of our lives everyday lives and to breathe it's a pity that these stories are you know lost because uh, you know in a kind of thought which sees only facts which are husks of truth and we pick up those husks and throw that truth aside this is the irony this is the sad part of you know our present day this thing so when we look at this way so what were the key aspects key ideas of indian thought what what are the keys to understand the indian mind often i tell them that people that you know you want to understand india don't go to bombay kolkata and uh, of course pondicherry you must come but <laughs> go to the himalayas take a dip in one of these rivers and you will begin to imbibe the indian spirit now of course kashi vishwanath is so much better but in bhu when i was there just take a stroll along the ganges take a boat and a boat ride and you will feel that contact with the indian spirit it has to be felt it's much like when people come to pondicherry and they ask me ashram mein dekhne ka kya hai what is there to see in the ashram and i say well excuse me <laughs> there is a lot to feel <laughs> feel this is faculty we have lost the ability and the power to feel and india gives us empowers us to feel worlds beyond worlds what a conception of life that we are not living in a reality which is only at one domain 
and now when we talk about string theories and super string theory now we see ah it is there there are many lokas many worlds why what 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 is its relevance that there are many worlds very simple that this world this creation is evolutionary this is one of the master ideas that i have found in indian thought it has looked at evolution way back and we still teach evolutionary theory darwin he knew nothing i mean he he observed certain things great contribution in his own way but the entire evolutionary scheme is charted out whether we look at the dashavataras and or we look at you know the entire soul transmigrating from birth to birth what is this transmigration about it nothing to do with reward punishment which is a later thought which has been basically islamicized good and bad evil and punishment indian thought what really is sin sin is to be separated from dharma to be away from that truth that is sin you may be following a very good ideology like arjuna he is going to you know uh, shoot he would moral conception it is a dharma but you see the language of the gita it says if you do this take sanyas then you are deviating from dharma what a powerful statement it is so these are some of the central ideas three central ideas three or four the first of course is well known ekam sat vipra bahuda vadanti there is but ekam eva dvitiyam one reality without a second but the beauty of indian thought is people say yes yes it's everywhere yes but unfortunately they gave a single name to it often i have a joke sharing with one of my uh, swiss friends elderly person so he says sab ka malik ek i say yes but aage ye mat kehna ki wo jo mera naam diya hua hai wahi malik hai sara problem wahan shuru ho jata hai yes everybody says there is one reality but fixes a name defines it and finishes it india had the courage to say truth cannot be defined it can only be lived and to live it you must understand dharma there is no other way you can become one with it through yoga there is no other way but the moment you define it it becomes either an ideology a system a philosophy or whatever Uh, nonsense or limited thing we may call it so this ekamev dvitiyam look at the way it says one without a second that's it such a master idea and it left people free to take names ekam sadvibra bahuda vadanti so that's why even till now now of course we have started uh, moving into a different age but people used to when they would uh, keep names of children they would Uh, you know consult vishnu sahasranam or lalita sahasranam for the girls like doesn't matter what you call their all names of the mother goddess or names of so this got in built into the fabric that all names all qualities they derive from the one he is of infinite qualities each name is a quality each person is born to express or manifest a particular quality of that one so that one is not a blank featureless unknown but he is infinite and therefore we have the second wonderful truth in india that you know of course first is we approach him by many names the second wonderful truth that the one and the many gods you know we have done away with the gods and shrivindu says whether you like them or not you can't wish them away so people often ask that why are gods necessary well they may not be necessary to yoga that's one part you cannot understand creation without bringing the gods there is the one and there is creation who manages the creation the gods are the cosmic managers that's how one has to look at it so there is a god of destruction god of preservation god of uh, balance and you can't understand creation without the gods and religions which did away with the gods they missed this intermediary link 
So there was one and this was either illusion. You had complete Dvaitvat. There is the one reality and there is this multiplicity you can't understand. But Indian religion kept intact the graded hierarchy of the worlds and the many gods. So it was so easy to understand creation. Behind every element of creation, there is a particular God or Godhead, which is a power of the one eternal. He is working, operating. And the beauty was, idols came much later. The beauty is that when you look at the Vedic times, you don't see these images and idols or, you know, um, temples. But everything was connected to that. The river, it was connected to the one God. Everything had that different, different aspects of the divine, the eternal. And it has got so deeply inbuilt. So Indian paganism, is a wrong word to use. But Indian thought of the many gods is different from the European conception of many gods. In the European conception of many gods, there is no one unifying deity. But in the Indian conception of many gods, there is one unifying deity. They are all powers of the one. So you may worship Shiva, you may worship Vishnu, you may whichever way you go, but ultimately they derive from the one reality. And it is important to understand these two, the one God and many gods. They coexist together happily and harmoniously because there is the one. Otherwise the gods will quarrel. So there would be such a beautiful conception. I mean, gods may not be needed for our individual growth, but in everyday functioning of life, look how they saw the nervous system and they would invoke the gods, you know, make our nervous system uh, the flow is smooth. So you have the Ashwins, you have these, you know, Twastri who is fashioning the chariot. How did they see the human body and human being? Let's come to that. What was India's conception of human beings? What was the idea? Human beings are fallen creatures, condemned to an eternal damnation. No. Human beings are divine in disguise. Look at the two conceptions. And it changes the way we deal with life. I often quote this story of a doctor. He would go around, see the patients, and somehow his results were better than others. Same medicines. Every doctor uses more or less the same medicine. Little bit variation. The company brand name may be different, but product is same, <laughs> similar. So people ask them, what is your secret? He said, you want to know? Okay, my secret is very simple. When I stand before a patient, I, all that I do is inwardly I say, He is the Satchidananda Brahma. Why are you wearing this kind of a ugly disguise? And Satchidananda Brahma promptly hears, even to Prahlad's query of Hari Hari Hari, he manifests even in the pillar. God is in matter. Look at the conception. What a beautiful thing. He is everywhere in everything. And most importantly, he is within us. This is this may sound very uh, okay. He is within us. He is within us means in our deepest essence we are God. Sohamasmi, Tattomasi. What does it mean? This just remembering and meditating upon this one idea makes us free to start with as a starter. When you go for dinner, you take a starter. The starter thought that the divine dwells within us means we are never alone. We may be in the worst of situations and yet if we just remember this one thing that he dwells within us, can we ever be afraid? That's why Brahman is described as Nirvayo. You cannot have fear of any kind. 
just because we know that God dwells within us. And this thought, this remembrance opens doors to infinite possibilities. Paucity of time, so I will not go into infinite possibilities that this uh, truth that there is the divine reality within us uh, opens and it's there in all its fullness. See, people often say that India gave the conception of zero. India also gave the conception of one, which is as important. You see him one way, it's a nihil. See him another way, he's ekamevadvitya. And he taught us to play with these conceptions, these figures. Put this zero, mythical, mystical zero, before any number. And that number keeps the same value. Put it after a particular number, it raises that number to any degree of power. It taught us to play the science and arts of number. Everything was born from that one truth. So in India, there is something very interesting. We see that life is intimately connected with these truths. We may have forgotten it. But even now, the remnants are seen. When once a dancer, you know, I saw entering the stage and touching the earth and doing like this. So, it was not American Idol. So, <laughs> the person did it. <laughs> See, that's the difference. People often ask, Are it's a copy of the program. I said, no. <laughs> there is something you notice which is different here. So, when they do, I said, see the bhava, the approach. Don't see that the outer format. Outer format, obviously. So, when they touch the feet, why? So, I asked one of the dancers. And the dancers said, you know what? We are going to... Um, Thirko, jump on the mother earth. She has to bear and support. Earth is a goddess. We don't need to learn all this, you know. Now, all in a backdoor entry, all these things are coming up as, uh, what is it called? That, you know, uh, pollution and uh, eco. Yeah. <laughs> it was inbuilt within us, the sacredness of bird and beast and plant. Every morning, my routine was to give a roti, first roti to the cow. Second to the dog, third to some beggar person, <laughs> and then God, and then finally you take it. What did it teach us? It teaches what today you'll have nice books, emotional intelligence. Postpone your gratification, but look the difference. Postpone your gratification for a greater enjoyment. No, sir. Because that is the logical order of things. First, the one then the all, then myself. This, you know, the services, Indian Air Force, and we used to have a motto which inspired me a lot, and I think Pradeep Ji is sitting here somewhere. So the motto used to be, the welfare of your country comes first always and everywhere. The welfare of men who work with you, your subordinates, it comes next always and everywhere. Your own welfare comes last always and everywhere. The law of sacrifice and through sacrifice, we do not emulate ourselves but widen ourselves. What a conception. How do we widen ourselves? Because we include the whole creation within ourselves. It's not through a mental conception. When I understand that all are integers of one reality and to give to others is as much to give to myself. Such wonderful things. By renouncing, enjoy. Yes, 
each act of desire is to put a bar between us and the delight which is all pervading look at children until people came and handed them a book a holy book and some tinsels and said you are very poor people we are here to teach you how to live royally until then children could enjoy running in the mud climbing the trees because that delight of existence came from every side now they are not happy until they whatsapp even a small child downloaded <laughs> this is the teaching coming from a world where there is no conception of the divine so this is such a powerful and beautiful such a tremendous vitality shobindo says indian thought it is only one aspect which you know brought in this aspect of asceticism maya itself maya was never considered as an illusion it was a power of the infinite to turn the infinite into seemings of the finite it was a power of the lord always we see shri krishna what does he say my maya he didn't say that it is you know uh, that's why we see yoga maya coming before krishna it is not something which has been just suddenly come up to cover the brahman all these things have gone into our head and created the sense of an other worldliness yes we know that there are other worlds and people like to escape but the mainstream of indian thought was never otherworldly a civilization which lived in with the spirit of otherworldliness would have would never have been able to give to us the great itihasas like the ramayana and the mahabharata and often now there is a tendency to you know read a little bit here and there again whatsapp university and raise questions on rama why did he kill wali like that why did he do this why did he do that so i have of course given talks on this and rama in the dockyard or the court room <laughs> so at the end but the beauty of it is leave aside that part the beauty of it is men who came and pointed fingers at rama they passed into oblivion but the name of rama endures what is it ramayana continues to inspire generations after generations so i tell people dekho harry potter pad liya just try to take it dig at it what is it in it that is inspired generations after generations after 10000 years it still endures something must be there in it try to read it and yes that is the beauty people may create a division between rama and sita look how rama treated mistreated or whatever sita but still when we go everywhere we say sita ram sita ram sita ram we don't say oh sita has condemned rama this is our modern mind spiritual feminism is there in ramayana sita is never shown as an abala lady she is empowered woman with or without rama she is the divine mother who can create she is not afraid even in the nagari of the rakshasa she knows that if she had to pick up a blade of grass this story from the ramayana ravana cannot cross that space she actually challenges him if you think you can touch me try crossing this blade of grass and ravana is shattered this is spiritual feminism and without sita what is rama sita sita tell me where are you he asks every lata pata everything and even sati is whom are you worshiping this ordinary mortal and there shiva says 
he is not ordinary mortal mortals don't love like that this part is by paraphrasing mortals will say oh good riddance <laughs> they will file an fir they will file an fir then they will start looking for other matches but rama is not an ordinary mortal without support of his own army which was i mean dashratha had fought the war of the worlds and yet by an army of monkeys he goes there all the way what kind of love is embodied in rama's heart and even after sita is sent back and to the forest and after she enters the earth rama never remarries what a tremendous personality in power even till today to match that ideal of rama is difficult enough krishna of course goes beyond and of course there is sure bindu takes it to the ultimate level this is india it dwells not just as a piece of land or in the geography india dwells in the heart of the seers and the sages it is the chosen place of the god for what and shirbindo puts right there the real thing about india it is sanatan dharma to give to mankind the eternal law of life and what is this law sanatan dharma it is not about do's and don'ts it is not about reward and punishment eternal law there is a truth which is unfolding itself and this unfolding of truth is dharma be on the right side of this unfolding you are with dharma now we use the phrase right side of history be on the wrong side of this unfolding you have a dharma both karvas uh, and pandavas are fighting if you look outwardly you say what is this this is <laughs> fratricidal war no sir that's an outer vision there is on one side the unfolding of dharma and the other side there is a dharma it had nothing to do with somebody's people often say oh it is hindu versus that religion no india never looked at it like that in fact there were none but india looked at if people have to fight it should be truly in the right spirit dharma dharma is nothing to do with my belief system dharma is to do with what is true what is beautiful what is good for the collective march of mankind and any group any civilization any religion any ideology which is a threat to mankind we have to fight that not because one is against a particular religion or ideology but because it is a dharma it is leading mankind towards destruction so the original conflict was always between dharma and adharma or if you want to put it in a figurative story way it is between deva and asura devar are large wide luminous beings who are ever engaged in helping mankind to grow towards light asura is those which constantly divide create confusion teaches greed possess they teaches revolution flows from the barrel of a gun that's not the teaching of this great wonderful land so such wonderful ideas have nourished gone into our soil that one reality with two poles matter and spirit are fundamentally two ways of looking at one truth there are no two truths 
And if we accept that, you see the heydays of Indian civilization, you have such karmiyogis as Bhishma and Arjuna and many of them, they were great karmiyogis. But subsequently, yes, India's being has been Mayavad and what happened? Mayavad is nothing to do with the Maya in its true conception. Even in its true conception, we have Vidyamai and Avidyamai. Where we understand the finite, but we are one with the infinite. We understand the unfolding. If one has to understand the ways of the Indian uh, psyche, one has to understand Dharma. And this Dharma is primarily, a, and if one has to say uh, one single line definition, what is Dharma? All that helps the individual and humanity to move towards some vision of that truth which is enshrined within creation. It doesn't matter how. That is, Indian thought left us free. It doesn't matter how. But that is dharma. And all that obstructs that unfolding, all that comes in the way, resists that unfolding, it is a dharma. There are many other wonderful conceptions, ideas which have gone into the soil of India. India has sown seeds of light in the soil of earth. Some of them have flowered into wonderful trees, not only the Vedas. Vedas originally are within the heart of the seer. The eternal Veda is secret in the heart of man. The Upanishads, the Itihasas, the Puranas and many other literature that came. But these seeds of light are not yet exhausted because they are seeds of the eternal and the infinite. The last word of India is yet to be spoken. The last story of creation is yet to be written. The last rick of the Vedas is yet to manifest itself. And it's the privilege given to all of us as Indians to discover this Veda within, to let it unfold and to complete what is yet incomplete. I could go on, but we'll stop. If there are some questions, I'll be very happy to take. Upanishad ka ek shlok hai, Isha Vashvitam shlok ka, Isha Vadvim Sarvanjit Kitta Jagatyam Jagat, jo aapne ucharana bhi kiya, uska bhavartha, dousra prashn ye hai, ki Shri Arbindo Darshan mein, sabse choti jo prakashan hai Shri Arbindo ka, Mata, the Mother, उसको एक्सप्लेन करने का कष्ट ये दो क्वेश्चंस <laughs> दो शब्दों में एक्सप्लेन करें इसको मैं इस तरह से कह सकता हूं <laughs> दो शब्दों में अगर एक्सप्लेन करना है किसी ने मुझसे पूछा दो शब्दों में डिस्क्राइब ट्रूथ इन टू वर्ड्स टू वर्ड्स सो आई सेड डिवाइन प्रेजेंस फिनिश Describe the mother in one word. I would simply say ma. The universal language, whether you look at the sounds emanating from the sun, hear the hum of the earth, even the calf knows ma. So, but if we had to describe or explain it then I would only paraphrase Kabir Saat samand tumasi karo lekhani sab banarai dharti to kagad karo maagun likhana jai 
make the seven oceans turn it into ink make pen of all the trees please don't take it figuratively <laughs> don't cut trees <laughs> make the entire earth earth is here now bhumi as paper to write yet you cannot write all the beauty and grace and infinity and eternity of the divine mother all that we have to do is to surrender to her and say i am yours i want to read a few lines from a passage from the book india is one by shri arbindo society edited by vijay bhai we have had our own history our position is unique in the world our history has been unique in the world and in god's providence our destiny will be unique and in working out our problem the hindu the mohammedan the christian shall make the best contributions to the common culture first the indian nation looking at the ecosystem in the polity today what is your intake on this so when shurabindo used this thank you for this he speaks about the three religions in that context looking at the modern context and i'll be very uh, i like to speak uh, straight not you know mince words so hindu mohammedan christians coming at um, the hindu who is a hindu hindu is not somebody who just does the tilak and tripund but one who lives in the spirit of sanatan dharma is a hindu who is a mohammedan perhaps i am not sure there is any left who is a christian the last verdict was passed by gb shaw who said there was one and he was crucified so let me put it like this by being born in a religion claiming to be belong to that religion one doesn't become a hindu mohammedan or a christian one becomes a hindu by living the truth of the vedas the upanishads the aryan thought thank you for reminding me that what was the conception of man if you read western psychology man is a social animal that's what we were taught so i'll behave like an animal you can't expect from me decency well animals are de- more decent man has mastered the art of deception that's a different story altogether but what is indian conception is man is a divine who is meant to become the divinized man the ideal man rama krishna the aryan spirit it had nothing to do with any physical type of humanity who was the aryan aryan was a psychological type he could be anywhere in the world the shresth the noble the aristos the samurai who fights for the truth for the right in the highest sense he is the aryan there could be a mohammedan who is an aryan who could do that a christian a european could be an aryan if he would do that the knights this was the code of conduct for a knight he could be a hindu if he lived that conception he could be in the south the north the east west anywhere in the world he could be a man in the middle of the ocean who thinks about his fellow men and not about himself when the boat is drowning and he is an aryan so that's what we have to understand terms have created so much confusion by names and surnames we don't become a religion i have one question to ask god very sure christianity christianity died on the cross 
Yeah, that's what I said. There was only one Christian who died on the cross. Shurvinda, in fact, said something very interesting about it. He said that uh, through Christ, the message of Buddha was carried from the east. And it was uttered through the lips of Christ. And then on his tomb, the religion and institution was created. In India, there was no conception of organized religion. There were ashramas. Organized religions is a pain because it fixes the divine and infinite into fixed ways of life and terms. That's why they are doomed to failure. It doesn't matter. Even in Islam, as long as there was Sufi movement, not organized into a fixed format. So, see, beautiful. In Christianity, there were the Gnostics. There were alchemists. What happened? The only difference is because the hardcore elements took over and destroyed it. See, that's what happened in Kashmir. It was not about Kashmir, but Sufism, the esoteric Christianity, of course, Shaivism, the Shakt cult, Buddhist cult, all of them were destroyed and they were attacked because it was the head which kept all these wonderful essence of every religion. So, we should not go, we should not give any importance to name, surname and say, this person is a Hindu or this person is a Mohammedan. If one is not living the truth of the, that religion, ultimately what is the truth? It is the truth of humanism moving towards its great divine destiny. If that is missing, it's missing. So, yes, there was one Christian who died on the cross, <laughs> who was crucified. Okay. That's that's just what just to complete, and that is the strength of Hinduism, that it doesn't have one god, one book, because it believes in the evolutionary impulsion of time. So Rama comes and gives an ideal way of living. Krishna supersedes it without destroying it, mind you, integrates it into a greater truth. And then Shurabindu comes. He supersedes it, but without destroying anything, taking up the truths of the Gita, integrating into a still greater reality. So in Hinduism, because there is not one book, one god or whatever founder, we have this possibility of evolutionary impulsion. And another beautiful thing about India is, Shabda Brahmati Vartate, go beyond the word of the scripture. That because of the living parampara of master and disciple, the word of the master was always regarded greater than the scriptural verses. Nobody asked Sri Ramakrishna, Sir, which Vedant Mimansa are you talking about? Sri Ramakrishna said so, and Swami Vivekananda was created. He had not read these uh, scriptures, and yet he created, he could create a thousand Swami Vivekananda as he said. So this is the beauty of Indian thought. It's many-sidedness. Not one book, not one founder is one of the greatest strengths of India. ਸਨਾਤਨ सनातन धर्म उसमें से एक है ऑफ कोर्स सनातन धर्म की स्पिरिट में हम जाएंगे तो जैसा मैंने बताया आई आंसर इन हिंदी प्रोबब्ली या इट्स और ओके इन इंग्लिश आई आंसर ओके बिकॉज़ मेनी ऑफ द ऑडियंसेस व्हाट वी शुड डू इन द प्रेजेंट कॉन्टेक्स्ट ऑलवेज टुडे यस्टरडे टुमारो 
live according to the highest ideals of the race embody the soul of india doesn't matter if there are hundreds of people speaking nonsense all around let us recover the aryan spirit this is sure been those uh, may not be exact words but something like that what an indian must do he says recover the aryan spirit the aryan thought not only uh, you know through a scriptural reading but in life in action wherever one of us goes people should wonder where is he coming from and that's what we should do today in tomorrow and always live the highest ideals that we have received from those who have gone before us that's all is given to man what will happen with regard to others that we should leave to the cosmic managers the gods <laughs> and the one they know how to handle it <laughs> but we should live our own highest truth swadharmo nidhanam shreya par dharmo bhayavah so i have a very simple question a very simple question to ask you you said if you said dharma is beautiful and it's good for the indian multitudes if we are to fight against uh, uh, the, this fight for this to sustain this how inclusive are we of all the in terms of all the other ideological multitudes who call themselves indians thank you so much and the answer is inbuilt within this conception of dharma when we live for the highest truth let's take a simple example within my life if i have to live according to my highest conception then i have to fight within me against all that opposes it isn't it supposing i want to live in the larger spirit of generosity i have to fight against possessiveness against lust and greed it's inevitable the same thing about inner war applies on the larger scale whatever is helping mankind to move towards that wider human thought higher human thought is to be taken together and whatever refuses and resist has to be fought at different levels at the ideative level it has to be fought all ideologies which are going to create confusion in the minds of people at the vital level the institutions politicians and they have to take whatever they have to do to fight it sometimes the fight may even be physical what does a soldier do on the ch in glacier he is fighting to defend a great truth which is guarded within india so he is a person of dharma i am saying that you know i have been in siachen so i can say that what is he fighting for it's not just a country at that point of time you feel so deeply inspired and you feel that anything an aggressor who is coming into your land and this is not just your land it is something sacred you need to resist it and at the physical level if he needs to kill he will kill i am not saying that we should take sword and go brandishing but at every level one has to fight it wherever one is posted one should fight at that level many of us are posted at the level of the thought and intellect we should fight there those who are living in the soul must fight there sure been the fought against the nazis and hitler by the spiritual force so whatever level we are we have to fight because otherwise if we start saying inclusiveness never means the waste paper basket inclusiveness it means the wideness of the sky and the sun 
and in that inclusiveness the word which indian thought used was rit satyameva jayate nanritam anrit so rit means the cosmic order it means there is a hierarchy it means there is an evolutionary process anrit is when anything disturb that hierarchy it could be even this thought all are equal all are equal is the truth of our essence not the truth of our outer being and if we do that it creates confusion in the minds of people so truth manifest in a graded way in space and time that manifestation of truth in space and time is rit the law of truth the way it is arranged don't we say that with children we have to deal differently than an adult and than with an old man don't we see with plants that there is a season in which you have to till the soil another when you have to water put the seed the same is about rith so ideologies had their season all that i can say is that season is over the winds of time are flowing towards a larger spirit of inclusiveness not of the waste paper basket where everything is put together palmel but of the sky and the sun into that vastness we must arise the sun knows where his thing should be and it should be kept in its place out of its place it's a danger and a menace because it disturbs the evolutionary process it will not be forever in its place because it will keep growing upgrading itself it's like the ritualist the ritualist may start with ritual but eventually is to discover that the god whom he worships is the god within him it, we don't destroy rituals we say this is the starting point but if you make this outer ritual as everything then there is a disturbance in the cosmic order good afternoon sir uh, as you said that uh, hinduism is the greatest and strongest religion with uh, lots of god and lots of temples but uh, as i saying that uh, hindus are the as a religion has more uh, divisions in the name of castes what do you think about it sir caste okay <laughs> caste is a imposition by uh, the western thought about what it meant at all caste okay no no good question please sit i'll what did originally it mean it meant that just as there is this idea of evolution so if you see caste it is intimately connected with the rebirth theory man starts his long career by just being deh chinmay he is conscious of the physical world and he is born into physical world he understands only physical world doesn't matter what job he is doing but he is a shutra he is to serve and service is not something menial this is the european conception service is so beautiful all of us must learn the spirit of shutra if we even want to be the true brahmins because by being a shudra we open the gates to the higher look at krishna krishna is a, becomes you know he picks up the um jhuta that you know scavenger's role he does in the yagya of uh, yudhishthir then after the physical world through the process of rebirth we become conscious of larger vital world we want to engage in amassing things expanding we want to conquer we want to become mighty and strong and we have the vaishya and the kshatriya and after we have gone through this process of evolution we turn towards knowledge we want to understand this creation and then we become brahmins and then after that we are ready for something still greater so this evolutionary gradation of human development was the truth behind what later on 
got yes it got degenerated into by heredity so even there they used the force of heredity they understood heredity they used it very effectively but yes like everything else it suffered a degradation without a doubt and so the same time spirit has broken the outer caste but is it not an inner reality when we forget this inner reality and try to make everybody fit into the same pattern so what do we have we have all kinds of incompetencies in the world shobindu says better to be a good shoemaker than an incompetent king so hierarchy is an inner truth we like it or not each one has a way that the inner divine will unfold in him and it's nothing to do with big or small as i said one is transiting from the physical to the spiritual it is not a leap passing through vital and mental world so they understood this hierarchy therefore this social order was created and along with that adhikar bhed came into existence it's like not everybody can be taken in for nuclear technology just because one is a you know a highly qualified scientist adhikar bhed was like in medicine if you make everybody doctors you are making dignified pickpocketers sorry to say that that's all he is pickpocketing with the scalpel not with the knife i can make a fun because i am a doctor so it's fine but if you take a doctor and understand that look here sir boy you may study medicine but first let me see whether you have compassion or not then you are signing in the right person so the ancients knew about adhikar bhed and wherever adhikar bhed was lost as we see in the story of karna or in the eklavya's famous story their problems were created so of course there are always outer stories have the limitations but adhikar bhed evolutionary process through which we move can we take a child in kindergarten and tell him you i am gifting you a ferrari on your fifth birthday on his 15th he will own an airlines on his 25th birthday he will make the whole system bankrupt i am not referring to any particular individual but teach him how to uh you know develop the capabilities the you know to really master such a thing so that is the same principle of caste system which it was not a system as an evolutionary order which was recognized namaskar namaskar sir uh, i got a chance to raise my question sir it's respective alok pande which i uh, heard number of times Yes, anyhow so one number of questions arise and i got my answers so but one of one thing you started your from a geographical idea that is gondwana land and that one so right now north and south north and south ice glare is right now melting but everest pouring ice day after day yes so and high after in this climate situation in this climate situation so do we think that india the india the yoga of india the thought of which we have the spiritual consciousness should it create on our future okay so um, there are two aspects to this question one is the most physical save earth save the planet that's a lot of big things save the soil save the rivers all that is one part of it <coughs> but let's try to understand god's master plan shobindra at one place says very cryptically he says the theater of the previous evolutionary uh, process was uh, perhaps he speaks about mars and who knows the next theater will be venus 
casually at another place <laughs> if you look at it you see where were the original aryans they were in what today is uh, you know arctic circle and this is the aryan migration not invasion there was never any invasion we have to understand the difference aryan migration all humanity was migrating that time hundreds and one places the only people who are supposed never to have migrated were the chinese and look what they have done to the world so that's uh, <laughs> they came from the moon what to do so <laughs> anyways the point is that yoga is all the more necessary today why because if earth is in danger and humanity is in danger what is the master plan of god so shubhendra reveals to us all these crises are concealed there are ways of nature's way of telling us that there is an evolutionary there are evolutionary crises at their bottom and evolutionary crisis means the only perfect way that we can come out of it is by taking the evolutionary leap and i'll give just one example and then we can probably stop the mud fish is a small little fish it jumped out of the river and it thrives on the muddy water if it goes to the river it is food if it goes on the land it's dead it's one of the most miserable creatures and if you look at the archaeopteryx you will wonder what is this creature it's a snake which is flying dangerous ugly grotesque but archaeopteryx and mudfish were starting points of a tremendous journey the mudfish created the kashyap avatar <laughs> the tortoise the world of tortoise and the archaeopteryx filled the world with beautiful birds from the snake it was a leap so they were both crisis moments look at all the crisis moments when the asteroid hit the moon was born when the second asteroid hit the world was covered with tremendous green flora and fauna and today all the various crises that mankind is facing points towards one direction oh man thou art god become one with him not only in your soul but even in your body that is the perfect answer to all these various problems climate change ozone layer and all these things we must address them i am not saying because we need time by time before we have the new creation but it is to move towards a new creation which is independent of these things today we depend on oxygen what was god's answer to the problem of carbon dioxide crisis in the world when plants carbon dioxide levels are going down it created creatures who threw out carbon dioxide and breathed in oxygen the balance was created so we need a new humanity and shobindra has spoken about it which will this very ozone layer breaking down and the cosmic rays impinging our body and creating carcinogenic things will eventually end up making the body find a way to transmute itself into a new solar type so Yeah. Climate change. Yes. Watering everybody. Yes. Yes. All crises, because behind it is nature. Nature is conscious force. But yes, we are fighting against. Ah, we should fight. There are levels because humanity. There are layers which have to be there. But if we don't change within, that is the point. Ah, so the point that is, is the that point. you know, mother's message. Perfect message. The future of the earth depends upon a change of consciousness, yes. and the change is bound to come 
but it is left to men to decide whether they will collaborate consciously with the change or the change is thrust upon them by the crashing power of crashing circumstances. 